0: So Greg, uh, you're not I, I've sort of gathered this morning that you're not a fan of daylight saving time.
1: What day did I go on the rant about the weather? Was it Friday or Thursday when I'd had enough of this cold?
0: Oh yes, that was uh, I can't remember.
1: I will refrain from totally going off on the daylight savings time, but I I, I think it's so stupid. I don't know why we do it. Just leave the clocks now. Just leave them alone now. We don't need to touch it. It's good. It's good right now. It messes with the kids. It messes with me. It messes with just about anybody you know. We're seeing all sorts of car crashes today. And I know we like to tie them, you know, because that's what we do. We like to connect the dots. Uh, But there are statistically, this is one of the worst days, if not the worst day of the year for car crashes. Is that not enough information, folks? To just realize that this is just dumb. We don't need to change the clocks.
0: Well, I understand the reasoning behind why daylight daylight saving time, why it was adopted. To the idea was that you would use less energy throughout the day, but uh, I don't know why. Yeah, I, I don't know why we wouldn't just leave it. Why would we have to fall back? Because it would seem to me when we fall back, then we we lose that hour later in the day. Right. And. I guess the benefit you get a little bit more sunshine early in the morning. So I don't know.
1: Well, by the time we hit the middle of December and 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 Christmas time, you're coming to work in the dark and going home in the dark. Yeah, I'd rather just do one or the other. You know, I come in the dark really late. It can stay dark until nine thirty in the morning for all I care. But why do I have to come to work and go home in the dark? <laughs> in the dark all day long. I don't need to be in the dark coming here and going home.
0: And Jeff did raise an interesting point. It's funny that Jeff made the point earlier, Jeff Courier. He said, well, I can... Daylight Saving Time allows us to play Twilight Golf. And I was thinking the same thing. There is that sort of magic time of year in June where you can play golf up until like
1: 10.30. And I would not want to take that away from anyone. <laughs> I'm proposing we leave it yeah. the later hour. 204-780-6868. If you want to go down a rabbit hole with us and if you've got to take on this clock-changing business, is it about time that we get rid of this. I know in Alberta, there's a private members bill on the docket right now that's trying to go through that would, and they haven't decided whether they're going to stay with uh, standard time or if this proposed bill is going to be a proposal to leave it at daylight saving time all year round. And then once again, I point to my friends in Saskatchewan. They don't muck around with anything. They just leave it.
0: They they're, leave it standard, right?
1: Eh, I don't even know, Brett. I wish I could tell you. It's so confusing. <laughs> I think they're on a different a different hour now, right? Because we went ahead. We are on the same time as them in the winter, and then now they're on mountain time Yeah, right it's
0: 12.08. So right. they're on central standard time, and we're in central daylight time. Right,
1: so they're on mountain daylight time.
0: I tried to book a guest once for a show and I put CST, mm-hmm. so they were off. It was off by an hour. I, 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 I just, I always thought CST was central, and then I didn't. Then it didn't clue in. Like, oh yeah, there's a CST and a
1: CDT. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now this must have been a very smart guess to know the difference and to start doing calculations like that.
0: I think it may have been a military guess. <laughs>
1: There you go. Did you use 24-hour time in this quest? I
0: probably should have.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so before we take you down a rabbit hole, we've got Corey hanging on the line. It sounds like he wants to talk about this uh, clock change and time change, whether or not we should continue to go down this uh, lunacy or not. Corey is at 204-780-6868. Hey, Corey, what do you have to say?
2: Hey, gentlemen, how's it going?
1: Going great. How about you, Corey? Have you been late for anything today or...
2: No, I was smart. I actually booked the day off. Ah, look at you.
1: Because of the time change?
2: No, just for other reasons. But, uh, gentlemen, I remember about a year and a half, you guys had the same uh, conversation. I remember calling in the morning, and I suggested, uh, how about just splitting it half an hour? Like, we're always changing it an hour, changing it back an hour. How about just half an hour and leave it as is, forever and ever?
1: Now, that would have to go across the board, right? Because we don't want to be like Newfoundland. We don't want to be kind of lying in the middle here. And we've got people doing business that we're doing business with in Chicago and Calgary and stuff. We don't want to be on a half hour when everybody else is on the full hour. You're suggesting across the board, I hope, Corey?
2: Just Manitoba. Saskatchewan can leave it. We can be a half hour, leave it, and then Ontario can do their own thing. Alberta can do their own thing.
1: All right. We'll go half an hour. Then we get that extra credit when they announce the, the time that the TV show starts. 10.30 10.30 in Newfoundland, 8.30 in Manitoba.
0: <laughs> Corey, interesting suggestion. Thank you for that at 204-780-6868. And we are already getting some text messages on this as well. And Eve says the problem with the the light saving time is in summer. The sun would get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. So is, I, I think what Eve in if, if, Maybe I'm interpreting this wrong, but I think what he's suggesting is that if we don't, if we leave it in standard time as opposed to daylight time, then the sun would come up super early.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm proposing that we leave it on the daylight time. Yeah. I don't want to leave it on the standard time. I like the more light in the evening. That's more useful to me than more light in the morning. And I think it's more useful to more people more light in the evening versus in the morning. I know there are lots of people who get up at the crack of dawn and if the crack of dawn is 10 a.m. that might throw a little bit of a wrench into your plans of getting up at the crack of dawn. But I don't know. I just, it just, it just feels foolhardy to continue to perpetuate this thing. Craig, is that 204-780-6868?
0: Craig, what do you think?
3: Uh, Yeah, I agree. We should, we should keep it um i moved to regina saskatchewan in 2008 and i've since returned back to winnipeg thank god and uh, <laughs> it was like uh, that was like a five-year prison sentence um but they don't have that there and i tell you in the summertime spring summer um it i swear to god the the, the sun was full bore in the in the middle of the sky at six o'clock in the morning and um that really made it difficult to to sleep past six.
1: Okay, so if we were gonna leave it then, Craig, your vote would be to leave it at the later time and to leave it in daylight saving versus leaving it on standard, is that right? Well, correct
3: me if I'm wrong, but we we skip ahead an hour so that we we prevent that real, we we save the daylight for the actual day, right? That's why we skip ahead. For later in the day, that's right, Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, I would say stick with daylight, stick with what we have here in Manitoba, continue with the daylight savings time. Mm-hmm. And uh, because, like I'm sure, like you guys mentioned, I'd, I'd much rather have my evenings being lighter. I, I, I loved that yesterday where it was, I think it was, you know, six thirty at night and it was still bright out. And I absolutely love it.
1: Right on, Craig. Appreciate the feedback and uh, welcome back to Manitoba.
0: Thanks. All right, Craig, thank you for that. We'll try Don next. Hey, Don, what do you have to say about time
4: change? Well, I always hear uh, people talk about Saskatchewan being so smart, they just don't use daylight saving time. The reason they do it is because the time zone line is right down the middle of the province, and that would kind of split the province into two different time
1: zones. It it is? Yeah, actually, if you look on a map where the time zones are marked, the line is right down the middle of the province. So rather than have half the province on one time and the other half on the other, they just
4: decided not to change over. Okay, that's
0: I'll interesting.
1: I'll have to investigate that. I'm trying to figure out how that that fixes that problem, but okay. Well, they stay on the same time. They stay on the same time, okay. All with, within the same province. Okay. Because I think that, is there
0: not a part of Saskatchewan that does make the switch? Because I always, whenever I'm reading about this uh, every year when it comes up, and it and it pops up in our newscasts or what have you, I think it, they say most of Saskatchewan stays. Yeah, I,
1: I think there is, uh, I'm not sure, Is it Lloyd Minster... There's right on the Alberta Saskatchewan border. They, R- might uh-huh. they might. Well, sure. That would make it difficult, right? If you live in Lloyd, Alberta and you're going to Lloyd, uh, Saskatchewan, you got to switch your clocks. Well, if only there was a machine where we could look up stuff like this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Don. Hey, thanks for that. Appreciate okay. it very much. We'll try Kevin next at 204 780 6868. Hey, Kevin, what do you have to say about it?
3: Uh, I love daylight savings. The fact that you can go out at 10 o'clock at night in the summer and still be bright out is is excellent. And uh, there's all sorts of evidence that says that uh, daylight savings uh, reduces collisions over the summer because the daylight is longer. So people are driving and it's safer to drive during the daylight. So I think that uh, people uh, who complain about maybe the Monday being a little harsh for for collisions, uh, I think it more than makes up for it throughout the summer.
0: All right. Thank you very much for that feedback. And actually, on the subject of car crashes, we got a text message here from somebody who said, Boys, get off the time issue. The car crashes are due to the full moon. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers, Max. He's got a little smiley face here. Love it. I'm assuming he's just got his tongue planted in cheek. I believe he does. But, but Max, in case you are an actual believer of that, send us. uh, We'd be happy to look at any sort of research you might have on that. I certainly don't uh, know anything about that.
1: So uh, this is from Wikipedia, so take it for what it's worth. During the summer, clocks in the entire province of Saskatchewan match those in Calgary and Edmonton. During the winter, clocks in most of the province outside... Lloyd Minster match those of Winnipeg.
0: Sleal emailed me at brett at cjob.com. He says it's long past time to end this farce of changing time, and anyone who disagrees with me is wrong. Sleal, thank you for that note. Brett at cjob.com. You can phone us at 204 780 6868. You can text us at 204 780 6868 or email Greg GMAC. At CJOB.com.
1: We should update you on the weather forecast and then come back and connect, changing your clock, to all the shocks that we're getting <laughs> to our friend Kevin O'Leary. We're going to do that in three steps when we come back.
0: After your forecast
1: on 680 CJOB? Taking a look at this map. Was it Rob? Brett, that suggested that the actual time zone kind of goes through Saskatchewan is bang on, man. It's kind of got kind of starts uh, very close to the border at the very north near the Northwest Territories. And then it juts in like kind of around uh, central Saskatchewan, It kind of cuts back out a little further south and then back in. And, and that. Kind of southeast corner where Estevan and Weyburn and everything are uh, would be actually uh, tied to Manitoba more closely. So now they've uh, changed everything so that they just are all in the same time zone all the time, and they never have to take the big giant clock off the wall or have to do what you did, Brett, (laughs) handle the alarm clock on your nightstand and blow it up because you are plain and simply (laughs) too electrifying a character? What's going on?
0: Uh, I guess I am Electro from uh, Spider-Man's world. I picked up my alarm clock Saturday night to pop it ahead one hour, and I zapped it because... Static electricity, I've just noticed over the last week or so, every time I touch anything in my apartment, I'm getting big shocks. So I picked up my alarm clock, zapped it, and it started flashing, you know, 12, 12, and then it just died. I thought, well, maybe... Maybe the the outlet has been shorted or something. I don't know. I t- So I unplugged it, and I brought it into another room and tried. No, it's just dead. Now, granted, it's a cheap clock. It's like a $10 Walmart special, but the but. fact that I actually killed a piece of electronics
1: because of static electricity is amusing. Well, and I mentioned to you that it feels like every time I get out of the car these days, I'm getting shocked. Well, that's because it's drier and colder, so I went on the internet I went to find some solutions. I wanted to find a science teacher that we could speak with or somebody else. And well, anyway, I only got as far as physics girl on PBS.
5: I hate that. Why do you get shocked sometimes when you get out of your car or when you touch a doorknob or when you take off a sweater and hug someone? And is there a way to not get shocked? To prevent this from happening, you have to figure out what's happening. So this is called a Van de Graaff generator. I use it a lot in science demos for kids. It's a machine that builds up a ton of static charge, that is, a bunch of positive charges on the outside of this metal sphere, so that when I bring this smaller, grounded metal sphere close to it, it discharges through the air in a giant metal spark that will shock you. Oh, I hate that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids love it. Van de Graaff generator, <laughs> now back blah, to the car. blah, blah. the violent event here is when you get out of the car, you slide across the seat, and both you and the seat become charged. I want and a solution. And now some of that charge will leave your body into the air, but if the air is cold enough and dry enough, and you touch the metal soon enough, that charge will quickly leave your body into the metal, and you will feel that. And you'll hear it too as a shock. So how do you prevent this from happening? Well, don't keep yourself isolated. As you get out of the car, touch the metal on the side of the car, and even if charge is building up on you, it'll continually flow into the metal, and it won't build up enough on you to shock you. Problem solved. Either that, or rub yourself all over with dryer sheets. I don't know if that works. Someone please try it and let me know.
1: Okay, so she exhibits this. So you're sitting in your driver's seat, and before you get out of the car, so you touch, you touch the frame or the door, if you've got a four-door or whatever behind you, and then you get out, oh, put your feet on the ground, uh-huh. and she suggests that that will eliminate the opportunity for you to get a shock because you're staying grounded to the vehicle for longer. That's interesting. Okay. So I'm going to try that. Okay. It sounds like a lot of thinking about getting <laughs> out of your car, but I'm prepared to try it. I'm prepared <laughs> to try it. So that got me down another rabbit hole Uh because we were talking about the alarm clock. Yes. And what do I find this article about this alarm clock that has a wearable attached to it, much like a Fitbit around your wrist? Yep. Well, what does it do in order to get you out of bed in the morning? It shocks you. Come on. Yes. That's not a pleasant way to wake up. No, it's not. So the theory behind it is that now you'll sleep through that snooze once. Right? Yep. And then the next time you're tempted to press the snooze button, it will uh, zap you, and you'll get out of bed, and then the next time you think about doing it, you won't, because you won't want to go through that unpleasant experience of getting a shock to start your day. Okay. So, I know we're up against the clock here, as always happens to us. So, the individual who started this wearable and this shock therapy... What's it called now? It's called... The Pavlok? It's called the Pavlock. Thank you, Brett. So the guy from Pavlock goes on to the shark tank. And who's there waiting for him? But our friend, Kevin O'Leary.
3: You're <laughs> a combination of spontaneous combustion and ADD mixed together. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's very difficult to listen to you. Yeah. Luckily for you, I got my undergrad in psychology... To make money, I worked on a rhesus study that used the same technology that you modified. <laughs> How many behavior.
5: other degrees, right?
3: And I'm telling you the truth here, so I'm interested, okay? Wow. Four sharks are out, but Kevin seems interested in Manisha's habit-breaking watch, Pavlok. I believe this technology works because I've seen it work. Your valuation is crazy
1: so then this is when they start talking about numbers they start talking about money and the Pavlok guy's like well, it's not about money, we really want to kind of want to help people or whatever, well then he turns down O'Leary's deal four months at 7.5% and balloon
3: payment be back in two years if one third of your projections are right, you can easily do
1: that it's an offer it's an offer, this is the problem um, damn there's, a, there's no problem Oh, yeah, there so is. the problem, Mr. Wonderful, is that it's, we're not focused on the money. We're focused more on the, the habits of You're focused on the
3: money?
5: You've
1: come You're to the wrong place, my
3: friend. I'm here to make money. Let it finish, Kev.
1: Our biggest thing, our biggest goal is to break bad habits around the world. And Mr. Wonderful, like, I just, I... I can't work with you. Why not? I'm just worried that if he we were together... He do not like him. I do like him as a person, but I feel like as an investor in the company, it would be really bad.
4: Manish, you didn't want an offer here today, I did you really? I absolutely want an offer. I absolutely want You just want for exposure. And why don't you
1: want the structure of that offer? Why it's not? The, the structure is actually quite good.
3: It's uh, who he's dealing person? with. It's
1: he the person. I feel like... He doesn't want to do a deal with O'Leary. I would take an offer from anybody besides Mr. Wonderful. Goddamn. <laughs> Manish. You're an a**. get the a** out of here. Oh. <laughs> so O'Leary sends um, him on okay, his well, way. If you are you all out? Yeah. We're all out. Done, Money. Thank you very much. What wanna be you? A... with a bleep laden adios. So that's how we connected the time change, static electricity to Kevin O'Leary. Who's here tonight? or he's doing something tonight, right? What is he doing? Doing some sort of presentation in the Metropolitan Theater four or five hour open house. 127 on 680 CJOB. The news is next. It's 133 on this Monday afternoon. If you're feeling a little groggy, if you're feeling a little groggy, welcome to the club. I like a nap on the best of days. Today I could really use one. You know, sometimes it's just a it's a luxury. Today it's almost a need, right? And a lot of people were, thank you for your feedback, by the way, uh, Bob, our good friend, Bob sent me an email. He says, uh, one more thing that Saskatchewan does better than Manitoba, leave the clocks alone, <laughs> he says. So Bob and I on the same page for the same, at the same time for, uh, both the third out of our last four topics, Bob has emailed us on. I'm getting worried. He and I are starting to agree more and more me and Bob on email. At GMAC why, are you, at why are you worrying about about that? Well, because uh, we started out uh, as divergent on a couple of different topics. so I was enjoying the back and forth. It's not nearly as exciting when he and I are agreeing all the time. It's like Shadow and I are scarily starting to agree on stuff in the morning and it's kind of freaking me out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm used to walking into the newsroom once or twice a week with uh, Greg and Shadow yelling at each other about something. Oh, yeah. oh
1: yeah. We didn't get a chance to talk about this one, but I wanted to get the feedback of our listeners, Brett. This broke, what do they call this on Fridays when governments and other organizations send out news releases very late in the day on Friday? What do they call that? Document dump Friday? Mm. I don't know if that's the
0: formal News word.
1: dump, document dump, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I think it was about 4 o'clock on Friday, I got the email. Maybe it was even a little bit later than that because I think I was already on my way somewhere by the time I got news that the province had cut two recreational facilities that were due to start construction this year. Here's the story from our friends at Global News, organizers and volunteers at the Dakota Collegiate Community Sports and Recreation Field said the project is now in serious jeopardy After the loss of a provincial grant, on Friday, the province announced the cancellation of a $1 million grant that would help fund the $3.8 million project. Construction was set to begin in May, but now organizers said just covering the basics of the field would be tough. There has been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears spent on this project, volunteer with the project, Rick Watts said. Then it's just gone. Rick Watts, in fact, will join Julian Richard later on this afternoon to expand on that. Uh, on this and what's happened. And in 2015, the NDP approved the $1 million grant towards the project. Last week, organizers told the government they would be happy with only $600,000 to help with budgeting. Right now, organizers have collected $1.5 million through fundraising efforts, a $1.18 million contribution from the city in order to move forward with phase one of the project, which includes field turf, Accessories, bleachers, and a scoreboard. The $600,000 would need to be collected. Obviously we're not giving up. We're going to keep pushing for replacements. Watts said the province also announced a new gym at Calvin high school would not be receiving funding in an effort to address other urgent needs. So what do you think about this? I want to hear from you because I'm, I'm sort of on the fence on this one. I am a big proponent of, better and more activities for kids, more and higher quality recreational facilities to be sure. Cause I think a lot of our facilities are kind of sucky mm. and I think it's time. And I'm, I'm glad that we're investing in these things and just understand that the government is in this big deficit situation. So I guess there's only 999 more million dollars to save Yeah, on this billion dollar deficit now that they've cut, cut this program. You know, I look at it that way, right? In the big scope of things, does this million bucks make a big difference and does it make a big difference to the community? Isn't that how you should be making decisions?
0: 204-780-6868 is the number to call. We would love to hear your feedback on this. You can call us. You can text us. My email address is brett at cjob.com. His is gmac at cjob.com. Phone number again, 204 780 68 68 and this is going to be it's just going to be a series of unpopular decisions from the province right when you're handed this this giant deficit what what do you do i mean in 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 just in our own personal lives if you are in debt you can't keep spending money sure. at will eventually you have to stop i mean i guess you can theoretically you could just keep going around and around and around in the circle of debt But if you want to dig yourself out of it, you have to stop at some point. Now, unfortunately, this is uh, if I were a student at Dakota or if I had kids in that neighborhood who would be going to that high school eventually and now and saw that this was happening, that would make me sad or perhaps angry. So I would love to hear your thoughts. 204-780-6868.
1: You make a great point about what we do personally, right? And I think Brian Pallister in particular has has said, we want to run our government the way you run your household. Mm -hmm. We know that for the last decade plus, the provincial government was spending way more than it brought in. It was running deficits. It broke its own deficit or anti-deficit legislation when things were a little bit difficult. When the world economic situation changed in 2008, 2007, 2011, of course, about a billion dollars worth of flooding damage that the province was sidled with. And, you know, the the Selinger government was great at pointing. That was a magic billion dollars. There's a a magic hundred dollars that seems to show up at Jackie's in my house every once in a while that, oh, it turns into five. Oh, well, we did, you know, we got that unexpected hundred, (laughs) you know, but we spent it five times. And it feels as though that the Selinger government, that magic billion dollars on the other side was was to blame for everything that went bad Mm -hmm. in the economy and in the budgeting process over the last couple of years. That's six years ago now, 2011. It's time to move on. But I guess the question then goes to, with your analogy, Brett, is something like sports facilities, like sports fields, like gymnasiums for high schools, are they food? Are they food basics? Are they dessert? Are they trips to Disneyland? Like where do they fit in terms of we're going to do the analogy to the home budget where do things and projects like this fit? Mm-hmm. So, where do you think they fit? Are they dessert? Are they dinners out? Are they trips to Disneyland, or are they fruits and vegetables?
0: I don't know. That's a that's an interesting way to look at it. And i I don't know. I mean, I guess would you, when you look at what is essential, maybe not essential. I think. I think maybe. It would be, it's one of those, this would be really nice to have. And I think it would do nothing but serve the community. It would serve those students. But maybe in the grand scheme of what we absolutely need right now, maybe not. I don't know. That's why we want your opinion. Edward has sent us a text, by the way. I just want to quickly address that. Edward says, didn't Jonathan Taves recently donate a million dollars towards the Dakota community slash Jonathan Taves community center? Yes, yes. That's the Dakota Community Center. We're talking about the Dakota Collegiate Community Sports and Recreation Field, just in case there was any confusion there on your part, Edward. I don't know, Greg. uh, I I guess if I'm putting it into your food analogy, I would probably say, I don't want to say dessert because that makes it sound completely frivolous and unnecessary,
1: but I don't know. Is it extra cheese on the pizza? You know, <laughs> I, I'm just trying to boil it down, right? Because, you know, in our house, we we make decisions. Like, our kids are, are involved in a variety of things, a different variety of different activities that we think is essential, that we think are essential to their development. Mm-hmm. However, we've also decided that we don't really want our kids playing hockey at 20 grand a year or five grand a year whatever it is. We've made that decision. So there is a line in the sand even when it's about that same sort of priority, right? If athletics is a priority in your family, there are a lot of people who are drawing a line in the sand. Well, no, we're not going to do spring hockey this year. That's too much money. So I'm just I'm trying to find that equivalent in terms of this decision for the government. And I like how you put it, that idea of is it a nice to have? Would it be a nice to have? Yeah, absolutely it would be. Is it an essential? I think it would be very difficult to argue that a field turf, facility at a high school, even though it's going to kind of be a regional priority and a regional resource for athletics, I think it'd be pretty tough to argue that it's an essential. Yeah. I mean, and it would, it would, it would
0: certainly help make the, uh, I think make that neighborhood look, it would spruce it up a little bit. I lived not far from Dakota collegiate when I owned my house And I seem to remember there. I think there's a there's a tennis court back there, but it's kind of beat up. You know, yeah, it's been
1: it's been uh, ignored for sure for some time.
0: And I know that they've been raising money to try to to spruce everything up, and they've been doing some renovations to try to bring that corner sort of back to life, to bring that that pocket of. St. Patel back to life. So I think this certainly would help. But again, if it if it comes down to, you know, we always hear about cutting frontline services. That's what the critics will always say. Mm-hmm. Well, he's cut cutting frontline services. Well, if he has to choose, and by he I mean Pallister, if Pallister has to choose, keep these frontline services intact or give a million dollars to Dakota, I, I, I'm glad I don't. Have to make those decisions.
1: Now, so this I is just a, get to criticize so them. This is a one time <laughs> investment. So let's use your analogy again in terms of frontline workers. It's a one time investment of a million dollars from the province, right? Yeah. How many is that? Eight, nine, 10, 12 well paid frontline workers mm-hmm. a year. So if you put that over, say, 10 years, it's one a year. It's one frontline worker. A year if we're talking about layoffs or not rehiring based on based on um, retirement attrition I think they call it mm-hmm. so it's one a year for something that's going to have a benefit and as you were mentioning what they were trying to do in that neighborhood and this would be good for the neighborhood I hadn't thought about it that way but you know what field comes to mind now that you've planted that seed Broadway and portage yeah the Gordon is that uh, what is that Gordon Bell Gordon Bell and that field is being used all the time. They've got lights there now mm-hmm. through some generous donations from the community. And when you drive by there and you see that field being used, I, I know I'm not getting any economic benefit out of it, but it looks a way better than an empty field. Mm-hmm. And I see that and I see young people out engaged. I know that those are kids that are learning something, that they're not doing anything else they are not getting into trouble. They're on that soccer field. They're playing, uh, they're playing soccer. They're playing field hockey. They're doing all sorts of things with that field. And I feel like that's a worthwhile way to spend the money. Whenever I drive by there, I think that, that was a good investment.
0: I, yeah, I, I will agree. I think the same thing, too. I remember when they first built it. Because what was there before? wasn't like a car dealership, and then it was an empty lot, and there was... Canada Post was going to build a facility there. They ultimately ended up building it out by the airport, I believe. And so it ends up being this beautiful field. And when they first built it, when when it was finally done, I thought, wow, Mm -hmm. that looks great. Right. And uh, I thought it's a nice uh, boost for those kids and anybody who gets to use that field, really. So that's a great comparison. So I think, yeah, maybe... Maybe in a short-term setting, it doesn't seem like it's something that is essential, but long-term, the benefits, I think, would, be, would outweigh the short-term pain. So short-term pain for long-term gain, as it were.
1: So you think maybe this is one of those things where the government should plug its nose and keep the funding in place? Ha. Huh. <laughs> I'm Sorry, not. I'm just using your words. I'm not trying to use them against the against you in any way. I'm just trying to sort out where you feel. How about we go to the text messages? Here's from Jackie he well, says how about Sorry, okay, right you in, want to take how, a break for yes. weather?
0: Yeah, let's pause and get our get our forecast update. 204-780-6868 is a number to call. We're getting a lot of text messages. Would love to hear your voice if you have an opinion on this. 204-780-6868. The province has cut a million dollar grant for the Dakota Collegiate Community Sports and Recreation Field as well as the new gym that was announced for Kelvin High School. That's not going to get funding in an effort to address other Urgent needs. What are your thoughts? 204-780-6868. Your forecast up next. Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling. We are asking for your thoughts on the province cutting funding to the Dakota Collegiate Community Sports and Recreation Field. that uh, the Organizers and volunteers for that say that project is now in serious jeopardy after the loss of a million-dollar provincial grant. And Kelvin High School as well. The province has announced a new gym at Kelvin would not be receiving funding in an effort to address other urgent needs. So we do have Greg on the phone. Greg, we're going to get to you in a moment, but I just want to read this text message here. That we, we referenced, Greg, you referenced uh, the Gordon Bell, mm-hmm. the field by the Gordon Bell High School. I'm reading this as well. And I said, yeah, it looks great. Text message at 204-780-6868. Wow, you sure don't live here in the West End. I live by that, quote, green space. It has done very little to improve the community. Looks good to them commuters from the burbs when they drive by. Interesting. Okay. Thank you for the thoughts. I mean, and you're right, I don't live in the West End.
1: Nope. But. but multiple times a year uh, when I'm driving by, I notice the kids out there, you know, playing soccer and opportunities to play other things that I don't think they would otherwise have. Uh, but uh, that's a great uh, feedback. Thank you very much. It's just like when uh, home care. Uh, no, no, you know what? You you read another one. I'm going to reread this one just to make sure that well, I can put this one to air from Perry. Well, let's go to Greg at two zero four
0: seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Greg, what do you think?
4: Well, guys, the, uh, the Dakota Project's right in my backyard, and, um, honestly, that, I, I've been the volunteer coordinator for Bonnie Patel Soccer for about 15 years to look after fields. We don't even practice over there. It's, it's so bad. Um, it's been so bad for so long. Um, you know, such a huge high school, and my kids don't, my kids are graduated. My kids didn't go to that high school, but, you know, the the problem that we have with most of the projects, and I'll use the new, new field at St. Patel Park, which is dedicated to soccer, uh, or the uh, football field over at Elmwood Collegiate. I, I don't want to sound pessimistic or even disrespectful, but... You go to those locations and you'll see the big board up there funded by the provincial government, funded by the federal government, whoever has come up with the money, but they don't provide any money for maintenance. And so they spend $100,000, $200,000, $400,000 if it's a turf field, but if it's it's an irrigated field, they spend about $200,000, and then watering the field is so expensive that they don't even use the irrigation. The, the cutting of the fields is um, uh, less than adequate, and so lots of times, I'll use the Savatel Park fields as an example, the guys maybe get out there and cut it every two weeks. So what do they leave behind? They leave furrows of, of cut grass deep that burn the grass underneath when that grass finally blows away, what's there but bare ground, the weeds come in and take over the field. And I've seen this time and time again, where, where no maintenance fees to these kinds of projects are provided, um, and so in the end, we're just, you know, letting it down the drain. So, you know, I, I know that Brian Mays has worked tirelessly uh, to try and make this stick to go, it's it's really badly needed. There's there's only the one football team, uh, high school team in in Saint Uh There's, you know, Glenlawn has a, a soccer field, uh, that's a turf field. But other than that, you know, there's really no place to go run, like on, a, on in a track situation. So as far as trying to encourage kids into athletics, you know, running, jumping. Uh, throwing those sorts of activities, there's there's nothing, you know, of a of a competitive level uh, project. And again, I, I, I know we're I know we're not the states, but I'm in the states probably three or four times a year for athletic endeavors, soccer in particular, and the facilities down there. Uh, I don't know, it's just, you can't even compare. We're third world in most cases.
0: Craig, thank you for your thoughts at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Dave, we'll take you very quickly. What do you think?
3: Well, I applaud this government for being prudent. I'm 70 years old. I live on the river at Selkirk. I've worked on just about every one of the big floods over 50 years. We're looking at a tremendous cost coming up in the spring. If you knew your car was going to break down in two months, I'm sure you wouldn't be taking a trip to Hawaii And I came out of the West End there when I was younger. Grosvenor never had a a place to play inside, and I'm not stunned by the fact that we went around to the other schools, played baseball, had a heck of a good time. That was the thing we all looked forward to. So I I just applaud them. Keep going. Cut back the cost. Uh, We're going in for a big expense this spring, and we're going to go bankrupt.
0: All right. Dave, thank you for your thoughts at 204-780-6868. Again, having a chat about... What should, well, what do you think about the Dakota Collegiate Community Sports and Recreation Field losing a provincial grant for a million dollars on Friday? The province announced that and that they are cutting funding to a new gym at Kelvin High School. It one fifty-seven. Mackling and McGarry,
1: Global News, up next. It's exactly 2.05 on this Monday afternoon, 2.05, Central Daylight Time, CDT. (laughs) Want to thank everyone who sent in text messages on the topic of the two projects that were cancelled on Friday by the provincial government, the one at uh, Dakota Collegiate, the other at Kelvin High School. We will revisit and visit your text messages uh, just after traffic and weather at 3 o'clock because we got outstanding text messages and phone calls. And, well, just as, a, as an incentive, Brett, for mm. people to call versus text, the calls always get priority.
0: Yes. Right. We love your text messages. We love hearing from them. We know you might be, maybe you're at work or something. And, and we you,
1: completely understand that.
0: Yeah. But uh, we, will, if you call us, we will always do our best to try to get you on the air, provided we have time and Jeffrey Forte doesn't threaten our lives <laughs> and master control. He's not even
1: listening. He didn't even hear that. No, he didn't. So one of the sadder <laughs> things that's happened in our neighborhood here, in our little part of the world, is the fact that, His master's voice, Mm. HMV, has closed. But there is a saviour.
0: That's right. Sunrise Records is going to pick up some 70 locations from HMV. And we are joined now by the president of Sunrise Records, Doug Putman, joining us live from where are you in Ontario, Doug? Uh, I'm in
6: Ancaster, just outside of Hamilton.
0: Well, thank you very much for taking some time to speak with us this afternoon. And I guess we'll start with um, what do you intend? I would be really curious to know because HMV is a business that, unfortunately, over the years was not able to clearly not able to to maintain itself. What do you hope to do differently?
6: Well, I think you know one is to have a little bit different product selection and product mix. Um, have more focus on music. Uh, specifically vinyl. Um, obviously, one of the hottest categories out there right now in the music business is vinyl. So certainly, we want to make sure that we're focused on that. Um, but, you know, it's really about keeping head office costs lean and, and low and uh, making sure that we partner as closely as possible with our, our landlords and our suppliers to, to make sure that we're, uh, we're doing the best we can as far as rents and, and pricing from suppliers.
1: Doug, it's Greg Mackling speaking, and I really like the idea that Records is in the title and in the name because vinyl is really making a comeback right now, and it's kind of how it all started. And I was listening to another interview that you did, and you made a really incredible, and I thought a, a point that that had me rewinding to get the number again. The value of sales that HMV had managed to do was no small sum. And so, if you can replicate part of what HMV has done, and you manage things properly, th- there really is a business here. Sometimes it's not just sales that uh, affect the outcome or the the fate of a business. Sometimes it's it's how those revenues are imagined. Maybe you could uh, talk about that a little bit.
6: For sure. I mean, look, they they ended up doing uh, right around the two hundred million mark, uh, which is a substantial number. So, you know, I think when you when you look at such a big number. Um, everything counts. Uh, so, you know, if you can just limit your head office costs, if you can save a little bit of money from suppliers, if you can just run a little bit tighter ship, uh, you can become profitable uh, very quickly. And uh, I know everybody quotes the, the big number of $100,000 a day for the, the loss. Um, it, it's a substantial loss, but I think there's a lot of things you can do to really change that loss and make it into a profitable business.
0: Doug, uh, I know that, I mean, obviously it's a completely different world now with streaming and YouTube, but uh, when when Napster first arrived, it arrived at a time where CDs were, I think, I don't know, I think they were too expensive. Uh, They got to be too expensive. I mean, they're cheaper now than they were in 1993. So do you think that the music industry shot itself in the foot all those years ago?
6: Well, I think, Certainly they didn't react as quickly as they needed to. Um, And I think, you know, I'm with you. I mean, I I think at that time it was close to 1999 for a CD, if I'm I'm remembering pretty correctly.
1: I think you're right, Doug.
6: Yeah, and I I think that's just too much. Um, But, you know, I think at the end of the day, people like something physical. And so part of me says that when you can buy a CD now for, you know, $5.99, 599 you're actually getting it cheaper than you can you can download it for um, and you know new releases at 1299 you're at a very comparable price to downloading. Um, I, I think you're giving a, a, a good argument to the customer to come in and buy something and you know when you download or you stream it, you own nothing. It's on your phone it's on your computer but I mean we've all had it where we lost our phone, we lost our computer we lose the data that we've got on it. Um, With this, you still have something physical to collect, to have on your shelf and to keep forever. So I think there is some value for people in actually buying physical content.
1: Doug Putman joins us. He's the president of Sunrise Records. Sunrise is taking over seventy of HMV's location across the the country, including two here in Winnipeg. There's going to be a Sunrise Records at Polo Park and another at Kildonan Place. And uh, Doug, maybe tell us a little bit about you and your your road to this role with Sunrise Records. How you you came to to do this? Because you're a young guy. You're you're barely thirty. <laughs> yeah, I'm thirty
6: two. So. Definitely. Look, um, my 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 dad was a steel worker. My mom was a, a bank teller. They remortgaged their house for $50,000 and started a, a toy and game distribution business, uh, which I came on to when I was uh, 18 and really just grew that business uh, substantially. And, and uh, my parents were always big on being an entrepreneur and, and starting your own path. And uh, so obviously started uh, some of my own businesses, a restaurant, a marine um and things just kind of grew from there and uh, always looking at new opportunities and looking for new opportunities and sunrise came up in 2014 and uh, uh i looked at it and and look i liked it especially because of vinyl and uh and you know at the end of the day uh the opportunity obviously presented itself uh in january to to really expand very quickly and uh, we thought it was a great time, and uh, and that we needed to jump on it and do it.
0: Doug, I uh, I purchase a lot of Blu-rays. I'm you mentioned you like people like to have the physical copy. Some of my friends have a, have giving me a hard time why don't you just download these movies you can buy them on digital hd i still like to have that physical copy of the movie on the shelf will you i know you say that you're going to be focusing more on music and vinyl but will you still be selling blu-rays and dvds
6: 100 percent. it's still a massive part of the business why it doesn't get mentioned an awful lot in the interviews and everything else is because i think that was the core piece of HMV's business that they did exceptionally well um so I don't think we're going to be able to, to grow that piece of business. I think that piece of business is going to be a similar size as it was for them. And we just need to do what they did on it, which is a great depth of catalog, good promotions on it, a lot of uh, TV on DVD. Um, so it really doesn't get mentioned a lot just because it, uh, it's always been a pretty good, stable business for them.
1: So, Doug, I... Harken back to my teenage years and I think about, I bought all vinyl. I had friends who were in tapes. I'm just old enough that cassette tapes were just getting popular when I started buying music. And then CDs didn't really come around. My first CD, I think, was... Van Halen's OU 812 in 1988, 1989 and that'll come as a surprise to just about nobody that knows me that it was a Van Halen disc but you know in, in the 1990s it went to CDs and there was always that competition and that conversation about oh I prefer the album and I prefer to to hold the album and to, to have the artwork and the liner notes and all that and I just find it fascinating that here we are in 2017 and it's come full circle to where people are embracing The what I find is the wonderful world of vinyl to the point where I think I'm going to have to reestablish a connection between my amplifier and my turntable.
6: It's fantastic. And, you know, I think once you buy it and you get home and you play it, there is something great about it. I mean, whether it's the nostalgia feel for people who used to collect like yourself or whether it's the brand-new generation buying its first piece of physical music... Uh, And playing it, there's just something great about collecting it, going through it, the the booklets, the you know, just everything about it. There's something great about it. So I think, you know, when you look at that younger generation, once they buy it, uh, they get hooked on wanting more of it as well.
0: Well, and it's interesting as well that there is this pushback to to move towards vinyl. There has also been in recent years this push towards high-resolution audio. And I, I think pushback maybe is the operating word here because for years... We got used to crappy audio thanks to things like Napster and Kazaa and LimeWire getting all these garbage copies of these digital rips of these songs. There are young people who grew up probably had no idea that there was such a thing as good quality audio until they finally sort of got smart enough to look into it and they're realizing, yeah, this music can sound so much better.
6: Yeah, I think you're bang on in that. But I think it was important that they did launch vinyl for that. because it is, I I don't know, look, I like CDs too, but there is something great about vinyl. I think the size, the way it looks, you know, what you get with it, the added values of it, um, I think that makes a big difference. And I don't think you would have convinced the younger generation to come back into buying CDs, to be honest. I think you needed vinyl to get that younger generation back in the stores.
0: Well, and I I know that uh, when it started to shift away from vinyl to CDs, Uh, I always sort of lamented, like, even you get the CD and it has... Sometimes they'd have the sleeve with the lyrics, but I... Yeah there's just something magical about holding a vinyl record with a nice the big artwork on it that you can't get from CDs.
1: So Doug is this go, is this going to be enough this idea of nostalgia and this idea of of holding it again is it, obviously you believe it's going to be but how are you going to convince us and how are you going to get us into the store for that first time and and to to touch it and hold it again?
6: Well, look, I mean, I think we have to offer an experience, and whether that's meet and greet with the greatest artists, whether it's live concerts in the store, whether, you know, just an acoustic concert, um, I think we need to use those things. We need the artist community uh, to be behind us and and to really uh, use their power to, to get people back in and appreciating the art and the culture behind this. Uh, I think that's the, the biggest thing. And when you come in to have a great experience, that want, that makes you want to come back in. And I think that's, uh, that's what we have to do.
0: Doug Putnam is the president of Sunrise Records. And Doug, we've already mentioned uh, you will have two locations in Winnipeg for sure at Polo Park and Kildonan Place. When will we know if you're going to pick up the other two HMV locations in Winnipeg?
6: Yeah, we're hoping to have that final list at the end of this week.
0: Okay, so not too far off, and the um, the employees who currently work at HMV, uh, you are going to be uh, they have to apply to work at Sunrise, yes?
6: Correct. Yeah, they're uh, they can apply online at careers at sunrise records um, and uh, basically we would love to hire them. We definitely want to to get as many of the HMV staff as we can.
0: So is it is it like a formality sort of thing where they're applying, or or, or will agent well, H-
5: Sorry, they go ahead. still
6: need to go through the process just like anyone else, but, you know, they've already got uh, a good history. They have a good background. So I think it really, you know, it really helps when you can hire people that already know the business well and know the customers well. Um, that being said, like in every business, no matter how big it is, there's great people and then there's, you know, not so great people. So <laughs> you still have to make sure that you're hiring the best people you can.
1: Doug, I love uh, the way this sounds, and uh, please promise us you will let us know when you come to Winnipeg. We'd love to meet you face-to-face and meet you at uh, one of the new Sunrise Record stores.
6: That sounds great. I really appreciate you guys doing this
1: for us. Thanks, Doug. Really appreciate your time this afternoon. That's Doug Putman. He is president of Sunrise Records. Brett, you mentioned the fact that two locations of former HMV, or I guess they're current, right, slash former HMV locations, uh, confirmed as Sunrise Record locations, there is a possibility of two more uh, remaining and and, uh, entering the fold of Sunrise Records.
0: Indeed. And speaking of music... (laughs) 680 CJOBs fly away to you too. Your time to win is now. Michael Brommel. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Michael Brommel, perhaps Michael Brommel? I'm going to go with Brommel. I think this looks like a Brommel, like a a pommel horse. Two N's and two L's? Yeah.
1: Okay. What do you think? Uh, We'll go with Brommel.
0: (laughs) Okay. Michael Brommel, 204-780-6868. You have five minutes to call. And why do you want to call us, Greg?
1: Well, why wouldn't you want to call us in the first place? (laughs) But ultimately, at this time, in the next four and a half minutes or so, you will be entered to win a trip for two to see you two, the Joshua Tree 30th Anniversary Concert, BC Play Stadium. That takes place Friday, May 12th. We will send you to Vancouver. We'll even bring you back We'll set you up in accommodations in a hotel for two people, two tickets, May 12th, May 13th, and that will be announced March 31st. The winner will be announced with Shadow Davis Friday, March 31st. Listen for your name. You can go to cgob.com and enter your name, and then listen at 710 with Shadow, 1110 with Jeff, 210 with me and Brett, and then 5.10 on the news with Richard and Julie. If you hear your name, you have five minutes to call. If you call within that allotted five minutes, you will be entered to win the trip. It's just that simple. Go to cgob.com if you want to have your name in consideration to be announced at one of those five times throughout the day.
0: Michael Brommel, you have five minutes. 204-780-6868.
1: Your forecast is up next. 2.24-ish. Coming up to 2.24. Nackling and McGarry. Are we in delay? I always, I always forget when we're in delay. We are in delay. So do I have to add 30 seconds or take away 30 add. seconds? So it, it is 2, twenty 2, twenty four. Because you're hearing us in the future, in the past. That's I don't right. Know. Yeah. Okay. For us, it's 2.23. It's but really for the listener, complicated. it's 2.24. <laughs> it's way too complicated <laughs> for me, especially on this day after I've lost at least an hour of sleep. I asked you off the air if you went to see King Kong. You very quickly told me, no, you didn't get around to it. No. Are uh, you going to go see it this week? I believe I'm going to go see it either uh,
0: tomorrow or, well, I was thinking maybe tonight, but probably tomorrow.
1: And uh, we, you and I were talking about a movie um, that featured the work of one of the Key and Peel guys. Oh, it's the, that Get Out? As I understand it's still a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It is
0: not. It, uh, uh, unfortunately, did it, slip a it little has bit? fallen to ninety nine percent. You've got to be kidding me! Because one jerk now gave it a bad review. Mm. It has one negative review out of. I'm just pulling the page up. One hundred and eighty reviews posted on Rotten Tomatoes, and one of them is wrong. And the guy who gave it a negative review is the same guy who gave Toy Story three a negative review. What is wrong with this guy? Anyway, I have not seen Get Out. But, he's, he's he's clearly trying to gain some notoriety. I think so, right? Yeah, and for was, being a,
1: a stick in the mud.
0: And he was late to the party on post and getting his review posted on Rotten Tomatoes because it was hundred percent through its opening week. So this review came late. It's almost like he's doing it just to. I think that's probably what it is. He's getting himself noticed because people want to know who's the crank. Uh, but no, I did. I have not seen Get Out. I did see Logan last week. And I'm going to see Kong Skull Island at some point. Do
1: you have to go see Beauty and the Beast? I do. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm. I've been obligated to go and see Beauty and the Beast. I, I love Emma Watson, so it won't be too difficult for me to work through that couple of hours of big screen excitement. And Beauty and the Beast is a great story, right? Yeah. So, and of course, the controversy with Beauty and the Beast, with uh, kind of Disney's first openly gay character. Although I think if you go back over time, there are, you might chart a couple that you might had some uh, theories about in terms of their sexuality. <laughs> I don't know why it's uh, such a big deal in this day and age, but there are some groups that are making a big deal of it. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it should be a great movie. Well, they've done such a... Disney's done a really marvelous job. You could argue that it's just a big cash grab as they try to resurrect all of these or turn all these old animated classics into live action. But, you know, they're doing a great job. Sure. So, like, The
1: Jungle Book last year. Oh, The Jungle Book was fantastic. What a job they did with that. And I was one of these people's like, ah, yeah, 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 whatever. How much different can it be? <laughs> what I want to see that I've seen it nine times in my lifetime. How different can they tell it? Well, it changed everything yeah. with the live action or the CGI. It was it was absolutely spectacular. So, yes, I'm looking forward to Beauty and the Beast. And what's that movie again? I got to write it down. The one, the, the key and peel. Get out. Get out. Hey, fortiated Bromwell call, by the way? Michael Brommel? We had a Michael Bromell call, not the right one. Oh no, (laughs) that's two days in a row. All right, where we had the wrong like person with the right name. (laughs) Okay, Mm -hmm. global news is coming up next, and then we're going to talk about sidewalks and skywalks. It's right there in the word delay. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Gee whiz! Still,
0: in case you're just tuning in.
1: (laughs) I'm wrapping my head around this concept.
0: Greg was saying it's 2.20, (laughs) coming up to 2.24, and then he said, well, hang on, are we in delay? So... Is it 2.23 or 2? So, yes. Right now, looking at our clock, for example, it says 2.33, but when you hear it, it's going to be 2.34 because we are in a 30-second delay.
1: Which makes complete sense. I'm still having a hard time wrapping my puny brain around that. Uh, Brent Bellamy is a good friend of our station, good friend to Winnipeg, in my opinion. Uh, Weekly or bi-weekly, you'll see his work in the Winnipeg Free Press. He is an associate and creative director at Number 10 Architectural Group, and he's also a member of the Centre Venture Board. And Brent, uh, great to catch up with you. The headline in today's article, Downtown Must Embrace Winter, Not Hide From It... Uh, talk a little bit about uh, skywalks and the idea, they call it in Calgary, the plus 15 system and Minneapolis and some of these other larger cities that are, are learning about what they did wrong. Is that fair to say when they implemented these skywalks and, and what can Winnipeg learn uh, from these other cities and our own experiences that they pertain to uh, skywalks?
2: Yeah, because the those other cities, Calgary and Minneapolis that you mentioned, they are you know, fast growth cities. And they have lots of buildings going up and they all tied into their skywalk system long ago. And so now they have these systems that are, Winnipeg system is about two and a half kilometers long. Calgary's is 19 kilometers long. And uh, uh, Minneapolis is about 13 kilometers. So they they're exponentially larger than Winnipeg's. And they're sort of understanding now that there are impacts to it. I know we all love walking indoors and I fully acknowledge that and I'm not saying that skywalks are bad I'm saying we just need to design them carefully because in other cities they're starting to see that it's sucking the life off the sidewalk and and there's not enough in a low growth city like Winnipeg a low density city like Winnipeg that causes problems there's not enough people walking downtown to split them on essentially two sidewalks one above the ground and one on the ground so what happens is there's the market that would support, say, a a shop on a a sidewalk or a restaurant is being split. They're half the time they're in the skywalk, half the time they're not. In the evenings, they're not. You know, from 11 a.m. till 3, they're in the skywalks and only in the winter. And so we're dividing the market up and there's not enough people around to support that. And so you can see that you know the shops on the Skywalk are not exactly thriving, and neither are the shops on the street. So it's we just have to be very careful with how we do it.
0: So do you think then, when when these things were first designed, like was the idea simply to to have something to help us fight our cold climate in the winter?
2: Well, it all started in the '60s and and mid '70s, and. You know, the at the time the world was going to shopping malls, and, and you know you can picture '70s and '80s, and even early '90s, and, and downtown Winnipeg. That's where you went to shop. You know, you went to Eaton's in the Bay, and you walked Portage Avenue, and then Polo Park opened, and then Saint Vital Center opened, and it it really shifted how we shop in Winnipeg, and and really our our way of life was was changed to these sort of indoor spaces. And across North America, almost uniformly, that's the response to that was to make downtown a shopping mall. You know, we ended up building a giant shopping mall on Portage Avenue, tearing down dozens of buildings and building a shopping mall and connecting them with Skywalks across the downtown. It was a response to that sort of idea. But now we're sort of understanding that downtown can't compete with, like you see, Portage Place can't compete with Polo Park. What what makes downtown special is that urban feeling and walking on the sidewalk and sitting on a patio, you know, enjoying a beer after work. That kind of that kind of culture. That's what downtown needs to do to compete with the malls. It can't it can't out out suburb the suburbs.
1: And the original concept uh, might have been somewhat sound, uh, Brent. If you look at when Eaton's was open, right, you had what. Uh, Suburban mall would have anchor tenants. You had Eaton's in the mm-hmm. Bay kind of at one end and the other. And City Place was a thriving mall for a short period of our history. All three levels of that place had retail in it. Porridge Place, you would walk from one end to the other and back yep. on a Saturday. But the original concept, and I know you weren't practicing architecture then, neither <laughs> was I working in the media then. But if my memory serves, I believe that the original concept for the skywalks across Porridge. Avenue included the idea of having escalators uh, down to the street level on Portage Avenue, so there wouldn't be that disconnect between street level and skywalk level. Am am I dreaming things that didn't happen?
2: Yeah, that's exactly the point. And and when I wrote the article, it wasn't to suggest that you know that skywalks are terrible. It's just that we need to be very careful in how we design them. And we did a few years ago build a connection by the uh, the convention center there with a with a beautiful glass. Uh, stairwell and elevator that really connects the skywalk to the sidewalk, and I think as we move forward that 's how we have to do. It. We have to make sure that the landscape of the sidewalk is pulled sort of seamlessly up into the skywalks and back down, so people aren 't in one or the other, like you know you 're walking downtown and you see a skywalk crossing the street, but you have no idea how to get there or right. if you 're in a skywalk, you have no idea how to get to the sidewalk so it 's sort of it 's sort of blurring that line and making sure we can go from one to the other more easily and that 's the as we design the skywalk moving forward, I think that's what we really have to keep in mind is, is keeping make, making sure that we can get down to the sidewalk as easily as possible.
1: Ironically we don't have any freeways in Winnipeg. Yet that's the only other time I've felt as discombobulated as being in Minneapolis or Los Angeles and going, "But I just want to get right up there with my car." And but I have that same feeling when I'm a pedestrian in Winnipeg. How do I how do I it's just like 13 feet away. I want to be up there where it's a little bit warmer. Like even when you're going to a Jets game, if you yep. don't come from the proper side or the proper part of downtown, you have to walk outside all the way to Portage and Donald, even if you've yeah. come southbound on Hargrave, you get to that corner at Hargrave and Portage where the Jets Gear store is. Well, there's no way to get into MTS Center or into the Skywalk system for a block on either side.
2: Yeah, and it and the, the problem is that they're controlled by um, private business owners, so they can close sort of whenever they want. You know, there's there's this. It's not truly public space. It's it's sort of quasi public space and. To really make it uh, accessible to everyone, and, and accessibility is a big piece. Like I've heard a lot this morning on Twitter and other, and other emails that you know it's an important piece for accessibility in our downtown, and I agree with that. But then we need to make it really accessible, and uh, and not just have people only being able to access the few buildings that are attached to it, but make it really connected to the sidewalk and to these. These connections that are very visible and easy—that you can just flow from sidewalk to skywalk easily—and it all becomes sort of one, sort of holistic system.
0: Brent Bellamy is a creative director at Number Ten Architectural Group and is chairman of Center Ventures board. And Brent, with our climate in the winter, and I—and I don't want to—to be sounding negative, like I'm focusing on winter, but how do you encourage people to actually use the sidewalk? in the winter if there is access to a skywalk system where you can just stay inside?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Um, If you actually design for the climate, you you can change the climate quite considerably on the sidewalk itself. There's been studies that show by designing the sidewalk properly and and having uh, overhangs on the buildings that protect you from rain and snow and looking at how the sun hits the sidewalk and how you can control wind, you can actually control the temperature by as much as 10 degrees Celsius. So if it's minus 10 in the air, you can make it feel like zero degrees Celsius. And by using all these sort of tricks, you know, catching the sunlight, blocking the wind, um, making sure that the building's set back so the sun comes down to the sidewalk, Uh, there's all kinds of tools you can do. Even things like heaters. And in Montreal, what they're doing is they're actually... Um, doing an in like almost like an in-floor heating system to to warm the sidewalks to uh, three degrees Celsius, so there won't be any snow. You'll feel warm. You can walk the sidewalks, and it'll feel like it's much warmer than it actually is. And those are some of the creative ideas I would love to see Winnipeg move forward with. If we're going to truly be a great winter city, we can't just sort of squirrel away and hide from it three months a year. We should embrace it and and design. Our city, um, so it's more comfortable on the sidewalk. So you don't have to go into the skywalk.
0: Oh, well, Brent, and on that subject of uh, of designing things so that we avoid the wind and that we make it warmer, I'm just thinking of the windiest corner in North America is Portage in Maine, and it's in our downtown. What is it about that particular corner, the way that it's designed, that sort of creates that kind of wind tunnel? Do you know anything about how that works?
2: Yeah, it's the skyscrapers. To be honest, it's also the fact that you know the wind starts on the uh, other side of the rocky mountains and it comes down uh near Banff there and it doesn't slow down until it basically hits Richardson <laughs> building at the end of <laughs> <Portage in> Maine <laughs> there's nothing to stop it and it's truly a wind tunnel and and when we design buildings you can study that quite carefully it's a very uh, it's a very careful science and you can understand how the winds are going to um going to be affecting the, the public realm. And so when we design buildings, we can really study that and, and design them so the wind doesn't hit the, the sidewalks. You know, what happens is the wind hits the face of the building and it goes straight down and it hits the sidewalk and then it curls back around. So it's you can design so it doesn't. You can put a put a canopy over the sidewalk so when the wind's coming down the face of the building, it stops. Uh, There's all kinds of things you can do. We just have to be more creative. And in some cities, they're actually starting to to legislate that kind of thing and, and to require wind studies and require that you actually deal with it. And I think we can do that too.
1: Now, that's part of being a winter city, and, and Brent, you and I have spoken about this and, and how Edmonton really seems to be shifting ahead of Winnipeg and in, do, yeah. in, in terms of embracing their status as a winter city and doing all these things that you're talking about in terms of design features. And, and just one more thing on, on Portage Place, as I look at this picture that was included in the article in the press today, is mm-hmm. just that idea. I can remember that one of the first concepts for Portage Place was to actually build it on the three lanes, or actually at that time it was four lanes, uh, of so sel- of the uh, the I guess it would be the eastbound lanes closest to Eaton's in the Bay, and to construct the building there, and then have build four new lanes, essentially where Portage Place is now, and to kind of shift Portage Avenue now. So what wow. we ended up—you don't remember that? I'll find, no, an, I art- I'll find that an article. I'll find an article on that. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's well, people didn't want to get rid of that sort of iconic look straight down Portage Avenue towards mm-hmm. Richardson building, etc. But instead mm-hmm. we kind of Mickey moused it with these, you know, pedestrian bridges, these skywalks across Portage Avenue. And as I look at them every day, when I come to work and every day, when I go home, I go, boy, do those ever need a facelift? I'm going to ask yeah. you a question. You didn't ask in your article or answer. Is it time for those skywalks to go?
2: You know, uh, I work at Number 10 Architectural Group, and my boss actually designed those things, so I have to be very careful what I say, he's looking over my shoulder right now. (laughs) It was his first job, and he reminds me of that all the time when I complain about them. But uh, I totally agree. The problem was when they designed those, they put retail in them. And if they were just little hamster tubes that carried people across Portage Avenue, they would completely uh, the, their expression would be completely different. But because they're twice as high and twice as wide as they needed to be to just move people across, they really impact that view down Portage Avenue. And you can see it now with all the new towers it would be a really spectacular view to see down that canyon. It would be like a real New York kind of feel, and it's just completely lost. And that's why I took that picture in the paper to kind of show that. You can imagine if that big skywalk wasn't going across there, that view would be pretty spectacular.
1: I, I, I concur. So you, you, you did something I'm not used to doing. You did a great imitation of a politician there. <laughs> And so I'll leave it out of respect for the fact that uh, the situation that you're in. But I think I, I ascertained uh, where you stand on this. It'll be interesting to see where this goes because we were talking with Jamie uh, Hillen from, uh, uh, from the Green Action Center. He was in Montreal last week. I was there the week before. And they'd had 50 centimeters of snow. Uh, in the mm-hmm. days leading up to my arrival, and it got much warmer, and so a lot of it had melted. But I realized that on these side streets, uh, La Montagne and uh, Saint-Denis and some of these other uh, uh, thoroughfares that, that count on retail, the streets were not plowed, but the sidewalks were sure cleared. Yeah. They, yeah. they realized the value of the pedestrian.
2: Yeah, and bike lanes, too. They have a policy, bike lanes first. It's a separate contract, actually, so it's not wow. It's not like they have to take priority. They They do them at the same time.
1: It's amazing. Well, we're going to learn a lot, and you know, when you were talking about the heated sidewalks, I think that's the vision David Asper had for the Elms uh, project over here yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the stadium. You know, heated uh, sidewalks and uh, overhead heaters and that sort of thing to yep. to, to soften yep. the blow of having this outdoor outlet mall. It's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see what we do next, uh, Brent. We always appreciate the insight and the and the uh, way you have us look at ourselves. It's much appreciated.
2: Thanks very much. Anytime, of course.
1: Okay, thanks Brent Bellamy. What do you think of those uh what do you think about those Portage Avenue skywalks? Is it time for those to go?
0: 204-780-6868. What do you think? Give us a call, give us a text 204-780-6868.
1: So so do you think like actually they should just take them down? I don't know. I like they're ugly. Sorry to Prince boss. Uh, they, they, they worked at a time. I think the idea of putting retail on them was very unique at the time. Uh, I think we're seeing that Portage Place is not going to be a retail mall for much longer. It's going to be a regional mall, maybe more services, that sort of thing. And they need, at the very least, they need an upgrade, right? I yeah. think they, that old siding and stuff has to come down and maybe they can shrink the physical size of them in terms of their height mm-hmm. and have them blend in a little bit more. I love the Skywalk system. I use it when I'm going to the hockey games. I think it's great. Uh, but those two on Portage Avenue, I, I'm just, ah, boy, oh boy, I really don't like the way they look after all this time.
0: I think, can you even add, and this is, and this is, Forgive my ignorance, sort of thing, because I don't. You know, you spend way more time downtown because of the 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 ice hockey contests that you go to see. <laughs> yes, but uh, can you? So, like, let's say you park in Portage Place, right? If you can, you yes. can you go up through the mall yes. and then through the Skywalk? That's even right. Even after the mall is closed,
1: yes. Okay. Yes. So it's always open. Never an issue. Okay. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's great with the fact that you can leave your attached garage, never put your jacket on, get in your car, go and park indoors. You never have to take a jacket to a Jets game, even if it's minus 30, if you do it right. Um, There's good and bad to that, though, because uh, the benefit to street life and to businesses, whether they exist now or potentially in the future, the, the, the bad part of that is that people seldom hit the street. Yep. unless they're sprinting to their car because they've uh, parked outdoors and on the street there are thousands of people that that don't do that they they park indoors and to capture those people i think might be difficult in the long run it's a it's a real cat and mouse game and uh, i think brent uh, tackled it uh, interestingly in the free press today in, in our conversation
0: 204-780-6868 is the number to call would love to hear your thoughts on Our downtown Skywalk system, does it need to go or maybe that's not the question? Do you have any ideas on how to make it better or is there something that you would like to see done differently in our downtown Skywalk system? The number to call is 204-780-6868. You can also send us a text. My email address is brett at cjob.com. His is gmac at cjob.com. Your forecast is coming up next. Johnny is at 204-780-6868. We're talking about our downtown Skywalk system. Brent Bellamy, creative director at Number 10 Architectural Group and chairman of Center Ventures Board, wrote this article today, Downtown Must Embrace Winter, Not Hide From It. And that got us thinking about Skywalks. What do you think we should do differently? Or should we do anything differently with our Skywalk system? Johnny, what do you think? I,
7: I think instead of having Shed provide a large amount of the liquor laws and the liquor licenses, we should allow entrepreneurs to have smaller pubs and bars around the area. And inside Portage Places, those were very popular. Another problem with City Place is that every private bi- every business there is a Crown Corporation. So I really don't see how that works around the MPS center.
1: Johnny, those are uh, great points that you make. It sounds like maybe you have some experience in trying to get one of those types of business off the ground. Is that uh, a misfire on my account or have you got some knowledge here?
7: It's a misfire. I've worked around there in various maintenance jobs and I see that um, hipster culture is becoming very popular with small cafes, with liquor licenses. And I believe that by opening up this idea and not having sheds, have so much monopoly downtown, it would be a lot better. Like Four Play Sports Bar was a terrible place.
1: Johnny, <laughs> appreciate it.
7: Okay. Well, hang on, Johnny.
0: Before you go, why did you What did you hate about Four Play? What was wrong with well, Four they're Play? closed
7: now. It doesn't matter. Well, well, it's closed now, but why would they advertise it for children's parties? Everything was broken. There was a little rough bar. <laughs> okay. This is across the street from the MTS
1: there. Yo, Johnny. Right? I mean, it should be a bump in place. A bumpin' place, I agree. And you know that Johnny mentioned City Place yep. and Portage Place. Uh, you've been to West Edmonton Mall? Yep. They've got the one section of West Edmonton Mall, they call it Bourbon Street, right? Where they've got that section of bars and restaurants. And I know malls are a 1990s sort of thing. But, you know, in this day and age, with the weather, and you've got 80 nights of hockey minimum at MTS Centre. Yep. How fantastic would it be if you had an indoor place like that where there were patios out on and into the into the mall, into the street where people could go and gather before games and maybe you could loosen the liquor laws a little bit. You'd have live bands, etc. I don't know. I just think we need to reimagine some of these places to be used uh, in terms of how we want to use them now versus trying to pigeonhole them into some sort of ideal that we had in the past that simply isn't working.
0: Keep your text messages coming in, 204-780-6868. Global News at 3 o'clock, up next.
1: 3.07 on this Monday afternoon. Hope you're doing okay. The weather seems to be getting better, fingers crossed. Konkin, you better not mess us up on this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm holding his feet to the fire on this.
0: Well, and if he if he does mess us up, he should consider himself lucky that he works in a different
1: office. Yeah, without question.
0: Marching down the hall. <laughs> get you, get out of here, Conkin.
1: Over 12 and a half feet of radio show host between the two of us here. <laughs> we will mess you up, Conkin. if you uh, take us back down into the minus double digits for daytime highs. There you go. The gauntlet is down. I'm just looking what are at the, the chances from, he's listening. Uh well, it, probably pretty good, right?
0: Well, like he's, he's uh, then he's laughing from uh their tower right now if from that's what's going on. Here. But I'm looking at the long-term forecast and it looks like once we pass Thursday it should be above 0 for highs
1: uh all at right. least for 2 weeks. I retract my statement. I shouldn't oh, be shouldn't that, be threatening coworkers with physical violence. Uh, it's, uh, it's funny. I think that's kind of what I did with a, at least several Witnesses here on the air. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. If you're just tuning in, you missed our discussion with the president of Sunrise, Sunrise. Records, Doug Putnam. Putman. Oh, I, yeah, you did it to I, me. I know, I know. I called him Put- Putnam. You requested me. And then, did did, did I call him Putnam? Yeah, it's Putman. And now I call him Putnam. Doug Putman. <laughs> and uh, they're bringing at least two Sunrise Records to Winnipeg. Mm. Their list of locations will be finalized. They've taken over many of the old HMV locations, including the one here at Pola Park. Was there an HMV at Kildonan Place? I guess there was. Yeah. And so they're taking that over as well. And there were a couple of others in town. Is that right?
0: Yeah, there's still St. Fatel has one and Portage Place has one. So okay. those, uh, like right now, they've only confirmed, I believe, 29 of the lo- of the 70. So there are still more to be confirmed. And like you said, they're looking to finalize that uh, by the end of this week. So we may, all four and V locations may be saved by Sunrise, but we won't know until the end of the week.
1: Very good. And I think that encouraged a listener to send us a text message. Well, two, actually. The problem with HMV was just like MTV, where is the music? Mm-hmm. Concentrated a lot of their efforts on movies and television television shows, et cetera. And then the uh, same listener sent us a message saying, yeah, I got a 300 disc player at a yard sale last year for 20 bucks. Good job. How That's times a nice change, find.
0: right? That is a nice find. I can't imagine what that would have cost in its heyday. I always wondered if HMV... If they there, because there was definitely a shift where they, you'd walk into the store and music was no longer front and center. It was movies, for a time. It was video games would be front and center, and the music sort of became this kind of other thing that they did that they happened to do was still sell music. Right, but I don't, I don't know that I would point the finger of blame at HMV for that. I think they were reacting to the state of the business when illegal downloading became a thing, it crushed the music industry. Like it changed everything as far as sales patterns go. And a lot of people probably who started illegal downloading maybe don't still don't pay for music.
1: You know what's funny, Brett, is that in that interim, there was a whole generation of people like me who bought record albums and probably bought Two or three a week, mm-hmm. maybe two or three every two weeks at the very least, and were members of Columbia House. Yeah. And, do you remember Columbia House? Sorry, I probably still owe them like 80 bucks um, that were consumers of music. Yeah. And then, but we got, some of us got lost, right? Because computer, eh, I was kind of late to the late to the game on having a computer in my house. And then it's like, yeah, I can play solitaire on it and I can send an email, but the whole downloading of music and stuff, that seemed like a whole extra step. So I would just listen to my old music, mm-hmm. right? On CD or, or what have you. And I mentioned to you that I thought that HMV missed a golden opportunity to kind of be the hub of digital downloads where you could actually go. People that were that are now in their mid to late 40s and early 50s and older, you know, go and get an MP3 player, sell one like the folks at uh, Chapters did with the Kindle, and show me how to use it, and let me be the one-stop shop, and I'll come in and download the MP3s, you can show me how to do it, I'll pay my buck or my buck 50 a song, or whatever it should have been. They were really slow to react, to be... The music experts and they and and I think a, a lot of places have missed that opportunity to shift with the times.
0: But I always, I mean, I, I always wondered if that if that's the retailers
1: or if that was the music industry Maybe. itself. Oh, I, the music industry has a, shoulders a lot of this blame
0: because di- the digital technology was available. Like, we saw it with Napster that oh wow, they, you can access all of this music digitally. They were horrified. They of it. should have got on top of that instantly. Sure, and, and formed that because that what they allowed to happen is they allowed new habits to be formed. That's so right. Whereas I used to buy my music. Hey, I I downloaded Napster and I I, I think I have bought one or two CDs in the last decade now if i want to listen to music it's all streamed on google play and i pay for that. i think that's 8 bucks a month or 10 bucks a month or i'll just watch a video on youtube right but it got me out of the habit of buying cd's because that coupled with the price we were talking with uh with Doug from Sunrise about how cd's are cheaper now than they were in 1993 they they went for the i remember that they jumped from 12.99 Maybe up to fourteen ninety nine and then suddenly they were eighteen ninety nine nineteen ninety nine and I thought that's crazy. So yeah. it was that combined with the arrival of things like Napster just changed everything. So indeed, that would have been wonderful. if I could walk into h m v and just buy a song, had I been able to do that at that time, I think they could have changed they could have formed
1: habits. Most people my age that's how we started buying music was buying 45s. Mm-hmm. Was buying, you know, the wax or the vinyl single for, then they were a dollar 49. Yeah, I can remember going to downtown Brandon to, to buy a 45 and it was a buck 49 in 1978, 1979. Now I pay a buck a song like the record companies, if they, the music industry, they really, uh, I think they miscalculated dramatically on what a, what people are prepared to pay. Mm-hmm. Cause I think people are prepared to download it in a legal fashion, but don't, don't soak me, man. Because they were clearly soaking us for a long time. If I'm paying the same for one song in a digital form today as I was 30, almost 40 years ago, (laughs) as I was then, I would say you were soaking me. Just like MTS was soaking us for long distance when we used to pay 20, 30, 40 cents a minute. Now you pay $4 (laughs) a month for all the long distance you can consume. (laughs) Nope, you weren't soaking us at all, were (laughs) you?
0: (laughs) <laughs> and you know, you, on the subject of singles, I actually did buy. I used to buy a whole bunch of CD singles at the the Portage HMV. In I remember particular. when that was a thing. They when they when they had that room sort of off to the side, well, uh, you could listen. Yeah, you could listen. But they also had they had a huge wall of CD singles, most of which were imports or special order things. But they they have
1: be, the headphones on the wall, uh, or was that after? Oh, they
0: uh, they did they they did have them on the wall. I think in the main room. Um, but in the this little sort of side room, where they, like they, they had a lot of all of their import stuff and their electronic dance music. I used to buy a lot of that, and it would all be on CD single. But a lot of it was imported, so that would end up costing quite a bit. Like sometimes f- I'd pay like fifteen dollars for a song, but I would pay it. So when it suddenly became available online for not.
1: For not $15. It it was hard to justify spending that money. Massive miscalculation there on the part of the uh, record industry. Hopefully they're getting back on track now, Sunrise Records, and I love the fact that it's called Records coming back to Winnipeg in at least two locations, one at Kildona Place, one at Polo Park, and a couple of other topics that we delved into earlier this afternoon, we'll get back into after we check in on traffic and weather together. We were talking about Skywalk system down Downtown, Brent, Brent Bellamy, and today's Winnipeg Free Press talking about the Skywalk system, uh, the functionality of sidewalks. Uh, visits virtually Calgary, Minneapolis, Montreal, and the different things those cities are doing in terms of skywalks and sidewalks. Invite you to take a look at that. He visited with uh, Brett and I uh, just a little while ago. And I asked the question, is it time for those skywalks on Portage Avenue to go? They got they have to be renovated at the very least. They are absolute giant fossils and testaments to the 1980s, you know, and that, that ugly green and, and whatever color, copper or whatever, roof those are but they, they've got to be renovated but maybe it's time for them to go all together we got some neat um we got some neat feedback on skywalks including from tim they should uh, build some skywalks with glass floors that would be cool i think that would be cool
0: yeah that'd be really that'd be interesting i think uh it would certainly look neat from the street if they if you're underneath it for example or i don't know
1: I'm trying to think in Calgary, I think in the old Eaton Center, they had glass floors uh, over top of, I think it was 4th Street, uh, and you could look up and you could see uh, people's uh, feet there walking across. Mayor Juba envisioned a monorail system down Portage Avenue. They could run a raised monorail system all the way down Portage using the walkways as stations. That's an interesting concept. I like that idea.
0: And here's a text from someone who says, my family is from Germany and in most cities there, the sidewalk and most main streets are heated. Even in minus 20, it feels great. I know nothing about that, but uh, that's
1: a, I, the streets too? That's kind of cool. That is, that's, that's that's crazy. I guess they're, I don't know what they're using there. I'd love some more information on that if you could send it to us at 780-6868 so we could do some research. Sounds fascinating. 322
0: Coming up to 322 on 680 CJOB, so keep those text messages coming our way regarding what you think the city could do with the Skywalk system, if you have any ideas on how to improve it. Traffic, weather, and sports, all up next.
1: Coming up to 338 on this Monday afternoon, he's Brett, I'm Greg. We've been having several conversations this afternoon, including the Skywalk system in winnipeg brent bellamy joined us to discuss that uh it's a lot smaller than it is compared to the plus fifteen system in Calgary. That's uh, almost nineteen kilometers long here in Winnipeg. What is it? Two kilometers, barely two kilometers long. Yeah, I was stunned when I read in Minneapolis. that. Minneapolis, yeah, fifteen kilometers. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, spectacular way to get around, but it does pose some issues in terms of distributing uh, the people that are available to purchase things, right? In terms of retail. And it's a situation uh, that is highlighted in a community the size of Winnipeg because the number of people downtown is so finite. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do we do? How do we encourage people to to patronize stores at the street level? And that's part of the discussion. Another part of this discussion that bore out of and came out of our talk with Brent was whether or not it was time for those... Uh, Skywalks that go across Portage Avenue to come down or at the very least become renovated. Grant sent me an email, gmac at com. They should expand the skywalk to Portage in Maine. There was some concept drawing a few years ago in the free press with some wild above ground crossing at Portage in Maine. It was very unique. That is what we need to do there. Anyone can open up the area to ground-level crossing, but that is boring. Some kind of innovative above-ground crossing would be far more exciting. And circling back to the suggestion of glass floors and concerns about ladies in skirts, (laughs) it's opaque glass. It doesn't have to be completely see through. I know a lot of sometimes people think of their front window or the glass door that you might have in the shower, but uh, I hear where you're coming from. maybe it would be uh, opaque so you wouldn't have such a clear view at anything like that. And then Brett, another conversation we we're having had to do with the provincial government on Friday announcing the fact that it was cutting back, in fact eliminating its funding for two projects, one at Kelvin High School for a new gym. And wanted Dakota Collegiate for a new field, and we wanted to know whether or not these are a priority. And we tried to use the analogy of our home budget, and in light of the fact that Brian Pallister has quite often suggested that we need to run government like we do our household budget.
0: Before we carry on with that, I just wanted to quickly piggyback on the, the Portage in Maine. The oh, sorry, rever- no, 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 it's okay. Uh, the The suggestion that we the we have the 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 above ground walks right? The, what about the, yeah that could be something like you see in Las Vegas where you're that's right hopping back and forth across the strip where the this the, the sidewalk is above i could i could get down with that for portage and me okay all right uh, i just wanted to make the comparison to, to Vegas as far as yes the analogy uh regarding these this field the project at Dakota Collegiate Community Sports and Recreation Field they had uh plans to well it's a 3.8 million dollar project construction set to begin in May, and there was a million-dollar provincial grant that has now been taken away, and this would have gone towards, what was it now? There was a scoreboard and a turf field. Right. um Staring me right in the face here, but I can't seem to see the the full details as to what it was going. Oh, a turf field, accessories, bleachers, and a scoreboard. So in order that's phase one of the project, and they need six hundred thousand dollars still to be collected. And that million dollars puts the whole project in jeopardy. So the we I was sort of making the analogy, like, is it essential? And then you compared it to the dinner table. Would it be your your main course? Would it be your vegetables? Would it be dessert? And uh, we did get some feedback on that. We certainly
1: did. People comparing it to dessert. A lot of people calling it dessert and also wondering if you eliminate the scoreboard from that project, what would it do? Jack says many projects have still been funded. Unfortunately, this is going to become the new normal that some projects will get postponed or canceled. I agree that these types of things shouldn't be cut but it has to start somewhere i'm sure there will be more unfavorable but required decisions that will hopefully get this province out of the brutal situation the previous government left us at some point something has to be has to give pardon me because both you and i do not have any more money to go around for higher taxes it's kind of nice to see some of these tough decisions unlike our wish wishy-washy city cuts quote unquote cuts
0: Jesse says, I agree 100% that we should run the province like we should run our house. I think this field is a dessert. The community has places to play already. There are no expenses that are $10 billion, and every expense we make is going to be a drop in the bucket. Getting back on track is not one decision. It's going to be lots of little Decisions.
1: Perry says it's just like at home. Where can the money be used most as much as a nice? Field facility would be nice. It isn't keeping a person working an MRI for ten years if you're sick, which is more important to you. And then Jesse sent us a fabulous uh, text. I agree, 100. percent I read, should... just read that one. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was listening to you. I just I was reading other ones. Sorry, <laughs> man. Oh man, I, I am paying attention. Sorry, brother. Um, yeah. So th- that was some of the feedback and uh, the fact that people were comparing it to dessert. Uh, I think. Uh, tells us a lot where people see these projects that they're nice to have uh, but we can't have them every single day and sometimes decisions need to be made that are painful and uncomfortable but that's part of digging yourself out of a of a deficit situation
0: yeah and it's been you know but sort of you could see it coming that eventually it was going to happen. We had one person text us, and this is something that I've heard often, where they said the the previous government will always be known to me as the spend DP. So wherever your, your stripes are, but a lot of people uh, sort of look at the NDP like that. And, and eventually when you spend, 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 the spending has to stop at some point. And now it's difficult decisions like this that need to be made. And uh, they did say that I know that a lot of the money they raised has come from private fundraising and perhaps they'll have to continue that Mm -hmm. and raise it through more uh, private avenues. It is 344. Do you have another email there? Real
1: quick, Pat said uh, in the in the three months leading up to the April 2016 provincial election, the NDP were making three announcements every day. There are hundreds of projects that are currently on hold. Where does it stop?
0: Jeff Forte just gave me a great reminder. Thank you, Jeff. God, we always... We're so forgetful. We have stuff to give away! What? The 43rd annual World of Wheels, happening March 24th to the 26th at the convention center. And today's trivia question involves one of the guys who will be in the celebrity showcase. well! well- World Wrestling Entertainment Superstar, <laughs> The Big Show. How did
1: I know that was the road you were going to travel?
0: <laughs> I just knew it. The seven foot, 450 pound monster of a man who puts his opponents out of their misery with a devastating choke slam. At least that's what he did when I used to watch wrestling. I don't know if he still does that. Today's question is twofold. What is his real name? And what was he called when he wrestled in WCW in the 90s? Call us at 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Again, what is the real name of the big show, and what did they call him when he wrestled in WCW? If you know the answer, you're going to the World of Wheels. 204-780-6868. got to say it right. World
1: of Wheels. Something like that. That's pretty good. Not bad. Is that how they do it? That's how they used to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Since I'll tra- we're getting all retro and stuff today.
0: I'll try it uh, after traffic and weather on 680 CJOB. Congratulations to Jonathan Zentner, who won today's passes for the 43rd annual World of Wheels happening March 24th to the 26th Convention Center. The question involved the big show from World Wrestling Entertainment. I wanted to know, What is the big show's real name and what did they call him in WCW? His real name is Paul White or Paul Donald White II, huh. and the Giant is what they called him in WCW.
1: I had no idea what his real name was. He looks good now. He's lost a bunch of weight. Yeah, he's, he's, he's all cut. He, yeah, he slimmed, slimmed down, looks great. Hey, uh, Harvey Smith, the former Winnipeg City Councillor, passed away over the weekend. He was 80, and uh, Bob, our good friend Bob and Oakbank, sent us a text message. Harvey Smith was a teacher at Tech Voc High School back in the late 70s. Well loved, very respected. Rest in peace, Mr. Smith. Richard Cloutier steps into the studio to let us know what he's got planned for the news. You know, Harvey
8: Smith, I had a few good battles with- Interactions with Harvey? Harvey Smith over the years. And in his prime, you know, he'd give it right back to you. He was very feisty, certainly. Absolutely very feisty. Interesting, he wouldn't give up that seat. There were many people that wanted to get into politics and were expecting, especially in the NDP, that wanted to get to City Hall to get to the Manitoba Legislature. And they had encouraged Harvey Smith to, you know, have Step a soft, soft landing somewhere else. And sure. Harvey said no. no. And he had to battle to keep his uh, to keep that seat for forever, because the kind of the, the the union folks over at the NDP were always trying to shove him out. And Harvey just buckled. And uh, and and I know we've had the clips of Paul Moist in, and Paul has been very complimentary of of Harvey and and a friend in the end. But there are many people within the union movement that would have loved to have seen Harvey move on a lot sooner. But Harvey really loved the job. He loved helping people. He loved the profile that he had and truly loved that job. And um, so often we see people that are so attached to what they do, they leave that job. And that's so part of them, right? That's something I think we all face in life. You're so defined by what you do. That's who you are. So very much in uh, Harvey Smith's case. Uh, We're going to check in with Todd McKay over at Canadian Taxpayers Federation. There's a bit of a brouhaha emerging at the Manitoba legislature over the latest incarnation of the balanced budget legislation that was tabled today. Um, There'll be some criticism launched at uh, Pallister and Company that – Cabinet members will no longer have to take pay cuts if they don't balance the books. So that's the big change there. But uh, several other stories, and I really feel for this family that lost their house. Um, Brand new to Canada, and, you know, they're all safe and sound and everything like that. But can you just imagine that happening to you and your family? No. We'll have more on that that story coming up and several others ahead um, between four and seven. Richard Clute and
0: Julie Buckingham on the news. Thank you very much, Richard. And once again, you'll hear from them starting at 4 o'clock on 680 CJOB. And with the final uh, moment that we have here, Greg, uh, Skywalks, Sunrise Records. Government fields being taken away. What do you want to hit in our final minute?
1: Well, uh, how about the where we started off and the idea of just staying on daylight savings time? Oh, Saving yes. or savings, however you say it. Uh, I know one is more correct than the other. I'm just not sure which one.
0: Daylight saving time.
1: It, with no S. No S. It's singular, not plural. Yep. Daylight saving time. I would be very much in favor of us just keeping the clocks where they are right now. More daylight in the evening and... Minimal effect on my routine is the fact that in the dead of winter, I prefer to at least have daylight on the way to work or on the way home. If it's not practical for me to have daylight on the way to work, I'd prefer to be in the dark till 10 in the morning and then get a little bit of evening daylight on the way home. And that would be my preference. And I think based on our text messages and our calls, Most people would agree it's time to end the charade. Quit playing games with our sleep. 354
0: on 680 CJOB. I'm Brad McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Jeff Forte and Master Control on 680 CJOB.